Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Amen. Good morning. Well, indeed, there is a war. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the grace, the strength, the hope, the power of your resurrection. We thank you, Jesus, for giving us hearts and minds and eyes and brains to understand this a little bit and to comprehend what it really means uh, to put that resurrection into the paradigm of eternal life. And to help us, Lord God, to uh, embrace it, to receive it, to understand it, to comprehend that without the resurrection, Lord God, you would have been a liar and we would be fools. And so, Lord God, I praise you and thank you for your faithfulness to your own promise, to keep your promises to us. I thank you now for giving us protection, wisdom, counsel. You've given us salvation. You've given us eternal life. You've given us the way. You are the way, the truth, and the life. So now give us protection that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that these words that we speak will be covered with the blood of Jesus, that Satan cannot snatch them. He cannot uh, hide them. He cannot remove them from our minds and hearts, but let these concepts really grow inside of us and cause us to know uh, who we are in you and to be excited about what's going on in your life, in, in this world, even in this battle, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Amen. Or good morning or what good a, evening or what good a afternoon. Be- what a beautiful, beautiful, whenever you are rainy, dark, yeah, shadowy day. Huh? day. Yeah, one of the favorites. <laughs> but we, uh, yeah. Hey, but we're going to be talking today about something very uh, much opposite of that, and that would be the resurrection. Without the resurrection, you know, Jesus Christ would have been actually a liar and all that he said and all that he promised would be folly. So we're going to take a look at that. Honey, you have some place to start here. Where are you going to read for us? Well, you know, we've just uh, celebrated what we call Resurrection Day. We don't like to call it Easter because that's a pagan custom. And a uh, pagan concept. Uh, concept yeah. So we talk, we talk about Resurrection Day. So a lot of this is fresh in our minds as people have been considering the resurrection of Jesus. Um, but in Mark chapter 9, there's a discussion there, uh, explanation about the uh, time of the transfiguration. Mm-hmm. Uh, where uh, Peter, James, and John went up there, and uh, Moses and Elijah appeared to to Jesus, and they were talking, and and they're uh, Peter, James, and John are observing all this. They're really overwhelmed by it all, and they want to build three little tabernacles, one for each, uh, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you. But then uh, they pretty soon they saw no one but Jesus. Uh, along with them. Uh, And then in verse 9, it says, Now, as he came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things that they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Verse 10 of Mark chapter 9, So they kept this word to themselves, questioning, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. And that's what we're looking at today. It's really... The whole 
idea of rising from the dead, the resurrection, what is the meaning of that mm-hmm. for uh, really for all the world and particularly for us as believers yeah. and how it relates, of course, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's like totally a new concept has been added to the paradigm of, uh, you know, human thought. Uh, you know, and it, there had been obviously pagan ideas of resurrection, like we think of spring as the resurrecting from uh, death and winter, coming the, the leaves, the trees coming back to life. The the um, the Greeks and uh, they had some idea of uh, resurrection. Egyptians had some pagan concepts of, of right. life from the dead, from the dead, but. Right. The pagan concepts are like, you know, the, the emergence of spring, the vernal equinox, new life, you know, baby chicks, baby bunnies, that sort yeah. of thing. That's where it comes from. And the Greeks felt that, you know, the, the body was bad, but the spirit mm-hmm. was good. So there was going to be maybe some, some type, resurrection of the soul, sometime resurrection of the soul. Yeah. And then the Jews, uh, they believed that there would be a bodily resurrection. Or many yeah. of the Jews believed that there would be a bodily resurrection, but it would be the same body, body. that we have now. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. I, I want, I well, want actually, the Bible, you know, addresses that. I think isn't it in Corinthians where it says that, you know, we're going to be raised, but not in the same body. It'd be a spiritual, a heavenly body. Um, just like, you know, I, I suppose the parable or the parable in the, in the garden would be something like you put a seed in the ground, a wheat seed or a bean seed or whatever, and it, it comes, it resurrects. It was dead and it comes alive again, but the life was, was in the seed, but it came alive as a different form. And I think that's kind of what the resurrection is. We are not, we will have spiritual heavenly bodies, but going back to the idea of there being a resurrection, Jesus had hinted to that being the case in his, um, you know, just before he came to the cross, he was talking various uh, times about to various other disciples about their being, he's going to die on the cross. Right. Uh, he's going to die and he's going to be raised after three days. He started beginning at a certain point. He started explaining this to them mm-hmm. And they, they could not, they didn't get it. They didn't comprehend it. Right. And then in the, in also, if we go a little bit in the background of the culture of the day, or the thought of the day, the religious thought of the day, we had the uh, Sadducees, which were uh, a priestly family of, of people uh, that were, you know, wealthy priestly family. They kind of hobnobbed with the uh, Hasmoneans and the Romans, and they were kind of... Uh, you know, politically Correct. schmoozing <laughs> with with those guys, and uh, but what they did is they they only accepted uh, they were not accepted by the general populace. They were just kind of the elite, the exclusive. But what they uh, what they did is they rejected all the teachings of the prophets. They only accepted the Pentateuch, oh. which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Sadducees. And they did not believe in the uh, uh, the soul, uh, the afterlife. They did not believe in the resurrection. They did not re, re, uh, believe in, a, you know, after death rewards for the righteous or retribution for the wicked. They did not believe in angels. They, didn't they believe did in not much. believe in demons. <laughs> and they had really basically kind of a karma attitude about life, that if you if you did good things in life, Good things were going to come to you. If you did bad things, bad things were going to come to you. So they're these, pragmatic and realistic. This, and but they were always, not, you know, challenging Jesus. They were very 
argumentative people mm-hmm, too mm-hmm. by nature, not only with Jesus, but with themselves and with others. Well, and I think so, they all provoked Jesus. I think in the discussions, the contention that surrounded him, they were always looking for a way to fault him. And then Jesus, when he said, you know, uh, destroy this temple and, and, and I'll rebuild it in three days, referring obviously to his resurrection in a kind of a, you know, parable, parable type of way. Um, th- they used that against him as a charge against him to prove it in, that he was insane uh, or whatever, you know, that he was crazy, that he was needed to be crucified. But so, and then even uh, there was a time in, in Paul's day, uh, we read in Second Timothy uh, 2.18, where there were some teachers that were bringing out the idea that the resurrection was past. Mm-hmm. And basically they, what they were saying is there was that believers uh, were resurrected spiritually. Yeah. So this, so this, the idea, this yeah. as, as you become a believer in Jesus, you're raised from the dead spiritually, raised from the death of sin spiritually, but they, they cut it off there. They, they did yeah. not believe they were there. This group of, uh, I think it was Philetus, and I, I don't remember the name of the other guy right now, were saying that, and Paul said they were overthrowing the faith of some. Yeah. And, and so, well, actually, Steve, and that was really, yeah. if you go back, there's, there's this idea, a Greek idea called Gnosticism, which believed that the body was bad, the mm-hmm, spirit mm-hmm. was good. Yeah. So, but it didn't really matter what you did in your body, how yeah. you conducted yourself in the body as long as your spirit was okay. So they, they had yeah, that very dualistic. Very, 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 a lot of confusion. A lot of confusion. I think Satan there. really tried to do a lot of confusion around this idea of the resurrection. I'm not sure Satan knew there was going to be a resurrection because that became a game changer for him, for everyone. Because when Jesus was preaching, everything that he said was verified and endorsed in the resurrection. If you look at the various options to belief and faith, in the world today, you have Hinduism and Buddhism and neo-paganism and old paganism and, and all of these things and reincarnation. You have all kinds of options, but there's only one that brings us so clearly to this impossible possibility of death and then life after death, people dying and coming back alive. Remember in the garden when um, the two things that Satan promised Eve, the serpent promised Eve was that she would not die and that she'd be more like God. Well, actually sin is what killed her. If you will, she would. And, and, and since that time, Satan has been trying to fulfill his promise back to Eve. Not really, but I mean that through, through this, this quest, this, innate human drive to not want to die he has used that motivation to get people to do all kinds of things to preserve their lives in their own power and without the resurrection so they're they're living their life based on the idea that there isn't a resurrection and it's up to me it's all up to me but when the resurrection hits us when you really comprehend that uh it puts hope and possibility it puts meaning and purpose into your life. Well, it puts fear into people that they want to just deny the existence of God altogether. You know, that some people, you know, they, they kind of freeze themselves. They have their bodies frozen right. in case there's some scientific advance that would enable right. them to come back to yep. life. And, yep. so, and then the belief in reincarnation, yep. uh, where you just kind of get recycled and it's going to be okay. Or the idea what after, uh, after we die, we all go to some place in yeah. the sky we all go to some heaven or, or some place where we can, you know, look down on earth and we'll be yeah. happy forever, regardless of how we've lived on earth. Well, the resurrection is really the solution to death. Um, and death is the biggest unspoken pr- 
problem in the human race. Isn't it funny how that the big the elephant in the room, you know, he can live in the room. We walk around him, we arrange our furniture around him, we don't talk about him, we pretend he's not there, but he's there. And this spirit of death and we all we go to funerals, we go to memorials, we we go to cemeteries, we you know, we know that death is part of life, but it's that peace that we just don't want to deal with. Um, and we just think we, we can eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die and then that's it. But that's not it. The problem is resurrection doesn't just happen for the righteous. There will be a resurrection for all the people unto life or unto, unto damnation. And so with the resurrection for the righteous, there's the hope of eternal life and bliss and goodness and, and, and immortality, if right. you will. And I think immortality has been a big quest of human beings ever since we saw each other begin to die. And then there are some, you know, where, where uh, people got a, sort of like a resuscitation. It's like a temporary resurrection. Um, you know, you, you look at the Old Testament, there were people that were, were raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. But they were raised from the dead, but eventually they, they, would, die, they would die again. Mm-hmm. You think of the uh, son of the widow of Zarephath and uh, that were so through through the prayers of Elijah uh, were uh, was raised from the dead. The son of the Shunammite, Elisha, um, uh, prayed, and and the the son came back from the dead. And then you had the man in Second uh, uh, Kings thirteen twenty one, where he died, and they had to go away quick because the enemy was approaching. So they threw him into Elisha's uh, tomb. Elisha's tomb. And, and and as soon as the body touched the bones of Elijah, uh, the man came back to life again. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, th- there was some power in the bones. And then Jesus, of course, raised yeah. Jairus' yeah. daughter, yeah. Uh, the son of the widow of Nain. He stopped the funeral procession, mm-hmm. touched the coffin, and the, the young man uh, came alive. Lazarus, the famous story of Lazarus of Bethany, who was raised from the dead after being in the grave for four days. Mm-hmm. And then there's this kind of mysterious uh, resurrection that at the time of the crucifixion, when Jesus died, uh, there were these saints, many yeah, of the saints right. that were buried came around Jerusalem, tombs, yeah. came back to life. And then there was the, uh, in Dor- uh, Acts chapter 9, there's Dorcas that was... Uh, Raised. That was that was raised from the dead through, by Peter. Yeah, prayer. you know, so, it, it, there's a lot of resurrections, but they they all hook into the somebody the power of God. They hook into Jesus. They hook into, for example, in Mark, he's talking in in uh, chapter eight. He says um, he's talking about Peter's confessing him as the Christ, and then he says he goes on to say in eight, thirty-one, um, and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again, he spoke this openly. So he began at that point, knowing his, his crucifixion was mirroring. He wanted to give them a sort of a heads up because he knew that they were going to have to deal with this. And obviously there was a real crisis of faith when he did die because they didn't, think about the resurrection that was the last thing on their mind i think the the second last thing on their mind was three days i think what they were just doing was hiding because they were so terrified that the 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 officers were going to be coming after them the priests weren't satisfied with just killing the leader they were going to go after exactly exactly so these these disciples these early disciples 
they were scared. They, they, were scared. they didn't they, believe. They didn't really believe that they, they didn't, they weren't all excited. Okay. Now it's the third day. You know, it's yeah. pretty soon Jesus is going to be coming out of the grave and everything's going to be great. Actually, actually the way, the reason the girls went up to the grave, the tomb uh, was to finish doing the embalming process. They had got cut short on the, they just simply wrapped him up in the, in the shroud and um, uh, bound him with the, some of the spices and things, but they were, on their way back. And that's why they were upset because their the stone was there. Well, they figured, well, the stone's going to be there. Oh no, we should have got some guys to come with us. But um, that's when the great surprise came. So they, you know, really none of the believers believed in the beginning, none of them believed. And you know what I have, I think that of all of the points of faith and crises of faith in our lives, this is one of the major, uh, nobody really, you know, we talk about the resurrection. We don't use the word much more than that one particular weekend of the year. Um, but, you know, the resurrection is the center point. It is the, the, the point, the whole on which everything hinges. It, it, uh, upon it hinges the truth and the veracity of Jesus Christ. Was he telling us the truth? Uh, it verifies, it endorses the, the principles of the kingdom of God. It It is the entry point into the kingdom of God. There's a kingdom of God that's operating on this earth, which is being bruised and beaten and buffeted by Satan constantly in the battle. But there's also the kingdom in heaven, which is full of, as you'd read it in various places in the Bible, full of praise and power and, and joy where there are no more tears. There's, there's just beauty and, and, and everything you want and no, no lack, no sorrow. But so the kingdom of God at this point, resurrection becomes the, uh, the doorway into that. However, I think a lot of believers do not live their life uh, with any kind of hope in this. They, there's no, there's no real um, enduring, endearing uh, momentum uh, created because of this. It's like, you know, Jesus said, great commission, go preach the gospel, bring the good news. Well, the resurrection is part of the good news. But the problem is that we don't, we don't, it's, we've never experienced it yet. We, we, we're still here alive. We see people, we draw, cry, we go to funerals, we wipe our eyes. We're sad for people who die. We, we, you know, we kind of comfort ourselves at that point, like, well, we'll see them again, or they went to heaven or whatever. But the point of the resurrection is if you don't have salvation, part of salvation actually means not just salvation from sin, uh, but from the effects of sin. And one of the effects of sin is death. So when a person receives salvation, one of the greatest benefits of salvation is the resurrection and, and being part of the resurrection, being included in that group of called ones who will be resurrected and to eternal life. The rest are going, because with resurrection comes the word judgment too. With resurrection, is life, with, life is judgment our lives will be judged and um, the resurrection unto righteousness, unto truth and eternal life and salvation uh, ensures us that we will not come into the damnation or condemnation that the rejection, the rejectors of Jesus Christ will come into. Oh, the, oh, the rejectors of Jesus Christ try to uh, attempt to deny the resurrection. And, uh, you know, there's some people say, well, you know, when Jesus, he really didn't die. He just kind of swooned. And, uh, you know, after his experience on the cross and when he got into the cool air of the tomb, he just kind of revived again. And, and somehow, it, though he was in such a weakened condition, he sort of, you know, pushed this huge <laughs> rock out of the way, yeah, I know. Uh, boulder out of the way. And, and, and it's ridiculous. And some people it takes more faith to believe those fables. Than it some does people actually. say, well, his disciples stole him 
well, why, you know, and if, and if it wasn't true, why would the disciples uh, yeah. give their lives and preach bullies and, and endure persecution for something that they knew was a lie? And if, if mm-hmm. some people say, well, his enemies stole his body away. Well, if his enemies stole his body away, where was, where's, the, where's the body? They didn't produce the body. Never and then some people <laughs> even go far as to say, well, um, you know, he actually uh, went to the, uh, the, the disciples, the women, as you mentioned, Peter and John, so forth. They actually went to the wrong tomb. Well, that's what they that, went there's to. There's all kinds of stories. And another thing too, they, they some say that well, the resurrection is it's a hallucination. It's, it was just something in the imagination again, of the to, disciples. Okay. So they imagined that he is alive, and that this, this this so this whole gospel story, built the whole Christian history, is built on just a a a, 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 a false mindset, just a, a hallucination. But look at how how Satan has ridiculous. worked to create various uh, fabrications, various explanations to discredit, discount, uh, and hide away the true power of the resurrection because he can't offer that. He doesn't have that to offer. He doesn't have power to do that or give that to his people. Um, All he can offer them is a promise of reincarnation, which means you're just coming back around and around and around again in some old life, you know, that you don't get to pick. And maybe next time you come back as a butterfly or an ant or, you know, who knows, a dog, who knows, whatever. But it's, it's, it's an endless, endless, hopeless cycle of never ending, you know, never ending. It's an it's a eternal cycle of hopelessness. And yet, I believe as believers, we are so inundated with distractions and fables and, fall, you know, misuse of our time and and, and so sucked into and, and drained by the, the effects of daily life. That we forget, you, you know, to ask God, ask God, Jesus, show me what does that mean? What does the resurrection mean? What, what, what does it mean to me? Give me a revelation. I mean, people don't talk to God enough about what they need to understand about his word because they don't read. You know, I'm not making a judgment here, but people oftentimes it's hard to read the word of God. It's so much easier. It's so much easier to do something fun, you know, to watch a, a Netflix or, you know, go give the dog a bath or or, you know, go shopping. It's, it's buy something. It's so much more fun to do something like that than to actually get into the Word of God and begin to read it. In Colossians chapter 3, um, verse, beginning with verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So the resurrection of Jesus, it's really, it makes the cross. It verifi- validates. It validates yeah. the cross. Yeah, it, validates. it validates the work of the cross. Uh, it, it validates that Jesus mm-hmm. is who he says he well, is, the, Bible the says, Son of God. Yeah, he says we're justified by the resurrection. So if Jesus would have stayed dead, there would have been, that would be men like saying God was, the Father was saying, well, uh, I don't accept this offering. This, this isn't, you know, so he didn't raise him from the dead. And so then if he didn't accept him and justify him, then the finished work of our salvation would have not been uh, secured, and we would we would be the salvation would be worthless. Exactly, and uh, Romans four twenty five uh, says about Jesus, He was delivered up because of our offenses 
and was raised because of our justification. So he has, the, the really salvation is in the whole, what we would, the theologians would call the cross-resurrection event. They're all together. Right. No resurrection, right. no salvation, no hope right. for, for, for any of us. Well, right, exactly. And, you know, again, um, it's very interesting how, I think some people say, well, any kind of miracle, including the resurrection, you know, we want to try to figure it out with our finite mind. We want to try to be able to analyze it scientifically, um, uh, objectify it, you know, garize it, whatever. We, we just got to somehow wrap our mind around it. But the thing is, the mind cannot comprehend miracles. That's why Paul said in Galatians, you're not going to see the moving of the spirit and the working of miracles by getting in the, back into the works of the flesh or by the, by the walking in the soul. You're going to do it by seeing that there's another, there's a we're starting, just starting with quantum physics and whatnot to understand there are many dimensions that we with our finite senses cannot see and do not, do not, are, we're not aware that they're there, but they're right there with us in the midst of this finite world. There's also an infinite world with uh, dimensions, spiritual dimensions we cannot see, but uh, we always try to figure things out. And I think the, the one of the call, the call to the believer is to believe and, um, you know, that we will be raised from the dead. Um, though we die, we have sins and trespasses, we can be forgiven. Obviously, many of these things we talk about in our faith are not tangible. We can see the effects of them. For example, you can see the effects of sin, um, iniquity. You can see, you know, uh, bitterness and you can see uh, f- you know uh, failure you can see uh, assaults offenses um, cruelty murder you can see the effects of sin but the idea of sin itself and what it does and the behind the scenes kind of implications we just we just don't kind of deal with them because they're not part of our everyday life but they really are and so to live your life on just that one plane of you know, I see what it is, I, you know, I have to see it to believe it kind of thing. And, and if I can't see it, it doesn't exist, is not deep enough, not good enough to give an explanation of what's really going on. It's much, much, you have to get it through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And I really like, and I think we should look at a minute in John chapter five. Um, oh, yeah. There's a couple of really interesting, um, well, it's very deep, actually. John, the Gospel of John, I, figure, I think is one of the most deep, profound difficult of all the gospels i think it's different than the synoptics because it really talks more about spiritual stuff than the actual and there he went and he did this and he went there and did that and blah 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 but in john chapter 5 um let's start with verse 19 then jesus answered and said to them most assuredly i say to you the son of man can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do for whatever he does the son also does in like manner for the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. They were always asking Jesus to show him another miracle so that they could believe. Another, you know, proof test. And uh, even right after he multiplied the, the five loaves and the two fish, they still wanted another miracle so that they could know, the, you know, be sure uh, that he was who he said. Verse 21, for as the father raises the dead, raises the dead. And gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. So resurrection is part of that being raised from the dead. 
being and, and dead in tr- sins and trespasses is the first uh, resurrection. When you're born again, there is that spiritual resurrection from the death of sin and trespasses. Um, but there is also a, another resurrection of the actual physical body and to be transformed into a spiritual body. Let me just look at the, the scriptures that verify what you're saying about that spiritual rebirth. Okay. Uh, uh, Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, in dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So it's, it's hard to think of ourselves as that we're here on earth, but yet we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Um, but, you know, but this is that, that spiritual resurrection. We, we're so, as believers, we're so identified and t- we're tied with his resurrection. Mm-hmm. We're tied with his, uh, death and one with him actually. in his death, one with him in his resurrection. And one so, with him when he takes the throne to become inherit all things, we will, you know, receive uh, an inheritance. And even our uh, water baptism speaks of this. Yeah, it, it, it really it's does. A, it's a physical expression of what has taken place in our lives that we have died to sin mm-hmm. and we now live to righteousness. And just as you know, Christ died for my sin, I died to my sin, and we and, and we go down. You know, we're buried in, in the, with the people call the watery grave, and we come up out of the water. We we are. It's a it's a picture. It's oh, an newness. expression, mm-hmm. a physical expression of what has taken place in our lives that well, we are tra- alive trans- with yeah, we, yeah. Christ. We, we've transferred our kingdom, our citizenship from the, the God of this world to we've died. So now we're released from this world. And now symbolically we have can't come into agreement with the kingdom of God. And that baptism is very much a part of that. And I think that's why people really need to, if you haven't been water baptized, you really need to look at that. And it's also a way to get a lot of deliverance too, because, um, you're saying to the devil, I'm done with you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm dead. I'm dying with Jesus on the cross and I'm rising up. And when I do, I belong to him. Uh, and so this is very important. I think if you haven't been water baptized, this is just an aside, but you really need to make that symbolic agreement dedication. Um, I know the thief on the cross wasn't water baptized, but of course he didn't quite have time, but Jesus did say to him, regardless, you're going to be with me today in paradise. So, but I, if you're going to hang around on the earth longer than the thief on the cross, I, it, it's really up in, it's really uh, helpful to be water baptized. Going back to John chapter 5, so in 22, verse 22, he says, For the Father judges no one. Now notice in verse 21, we said the Father raises the dead and gives life to them. Even so, the Son gives life to whom he will. So the Father has given the Son the same power he has to raise people from the dead, and he demonstrates that in uh, um, the various examples we've already given. Uh, so he has power. Over death, he had power over the tempest on the Sea of Galilee. He had power over the the demons. He had power, um, you know, to preach the gospel. He had power to do the miracles. He had power to do the miraculous. He had power to do the impossible, multiplying five pieces of bread to feed five thousand people. He had power to do those things because he had permission, authority, access to other dimensions than just the natural 
um, three-dimensional world we think we live in. So the father says, and in verse 22, the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. So just that as the son was given power over life and death, he was also given power to judge. Verse 23, that all should honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. And here we have a really good verse for those people who are part of sex and cults that, um, you know, want to discount Jesus or make him uh, one of the brothers, you know, equal with, with Lucifer. Um, he's not the son of God, the exclusive one and only begotten son of God. They kind of put him on a, on a playing field with other entities that are um, of less, uh, you know, honor and importance. But here we have the Bible saying, if you don't honor the son, you don't honor the father. So don't even talk to me about God, the father, if you can't put his son, Jesus, in that same place of honor. And says, verse 24, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. I think this is probably one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my words, how many people have heard the words? And you have to with that, you have to put the element of faith believes. Believing is not necessarily feeling, not necessarily you know, uh, getting an inspiration, a, a, a warm, you know, goosebumps kind of thing. It is making a, de- a determined commitment in your spirit to believe, to know that he sent him and he who sent him, uh, if we believe the words of him who sent me, Jesus is saying, you have everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Here you see the two words together, judgment and death, judgment and life everlasting life shall not come into judgment. So judgment is going to put the kibosh on happy on having a happily ever after life. Um, but with faith and with the belief that Jesus is the son of God is who he says he was, we pass over from death. We escape the hand, the grip of death into life. So Jesus is the only way that we can escape from death to life. Um, now I like, I like verse 25. He says, most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming. So this is just previous to the crucifixion. The hour is coming. And now is when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. For as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. So you see judgment again, Judgment and the power of life and death are both given to Jesus Christ. And it says those who hear his voice are going to live. And then in 28, he says, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who hear the who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Notice here they're going to hear his voice. And I think. You say, well, how are they going to raise from the dead? How are all these people, the ones who drowned, the ones who were cremated, the ones who this, that, how are they all going to hear his, you know, be resurrected? Well, the, the Bible tells us exactly how. How were we created in the first place? How was everything brought into being in the first place? By the word of God. By the spoke word of, God. of And, and that, that voice of God, the words, let there be light, let there be this, let there be that. The words of God's voice, the vibration of the utterance of God's voice created life. 
so the, the, the vibrations of that same voice spoken again will bring life back from the dead. Exactly. So it's the voice of God, the trumpet of God, the voice of God, the, the sound of that voice, the vibrations that will create the frequencies that will cause and call forth these dead, us, whatever, dead people to come back alive again. And it's so important that, you know, Satan is trying to technic, uh, get his technicians on creating whatever it is, recreating the DNA, uh, resurrecting, um, cloning, whatever he can to try to create a resurrection because he knows that the power of the guy who can do resurrection is the guy who's got the power. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the resurrection there there's a bodily resurrection here too it's not exactly just like you know for a believer uh, the apostle paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord so our soul or spirit go to be with the lord upon that death and then like you mentioned uh, there are some you know bodies that are buried some that have been blown to pieces some that have been cremated some that have died at sea and have long ago disintegrated, but God is going to, through his mighty power, he's going to reconstitute these bodies. And there's going to be a glorified body. Paul writes about that. There is a a natural body in 1 Corinthians Mm -hmm. 15, and that we should look at in in just a bit here. And then there is a spiritual body. So we're going to have a spiritual body. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus, you know, he had, we're going to be, we're going to have a body like unto his glorious body. Now, those that there's a, those that are in the resurrection of condemnation, they will have a body too, but it's going to be destroyed and tormented forever in, yeah. the, in the lake and, of fire. Those an indestructible body Jesus. that never gets an destroyed. An indestructible but body. Yeah, in the but presence you, of when you think of the body of Jesus, his resurrection body, some people recognized him as mm-hmm. Jesus. Some people did not. So it was a body that um, could uh, eat food, doesn't necessarily have to eat food. He had, you know, what what do you have? A bread of a piece of fish and a honeycomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could get through. He could disappear. Yeah, go And he could appear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, when he ate the food, the food didn't fall through. Right, him. and he didn't so really need it to live. Just different. didn't need food to live. He, uh, you know, he just um, wanted to demonstrate. He said, "This is this his body." He says that flesh and bones. Mm-hmm. So there's there's spiritual flesh and spiritual bones. So we have a real body, a nice body. So you yeah. can start to think about you know all we the things fearful. you don't like about your body right well, now. Well, we are fearfully and wonderfully take made. Take care of and, in that and when we get our new bodies, that's going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to be like unto His glorious body. It's very difficult for us to comprehend, but we have to rejoice in the fact that it is it's true, and we're going to get one of those someday. When well, in uh, as you were saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterwards the spiritual. The first man was of the earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, which would be Adam, so and us, so also are those who are made of dust. And as in the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as they have borne the image of the man of dust, we are shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So he's saying we have a chance here to, to be uh, transformed. Uh, now, he's, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. You cannot go to heaven with this body because this body 
can't handle it. It would fall apart, disintegrate, burst into flames, whatever. He says, behold, now, now verse 51 is very interesting. And this is kind of the, uh, the threshold of that discussion of the rapture. And people have various positions on the rapture. And really, it doesn't really matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God's got in mind. And our desire is to know the mind of Christ in this. But he says in verse 51, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption, this corruptible, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So we go back for a second. There's a mystery. Well, not all sleep. There's going to be a com- there's going to be coming a point in time when it's done, and not everybody is going to have died. There will be some people alive at that moment when this transformation, this twinkling of an eye uh, event happens, mm-hmm. and it's going to happen at the sound of a trumpet. So again, we see the voice of God, the voice of Jesus, going to resurrect people, uh, and the voice of the, the sound of the trumpet. So there's vibrations here. There's a sound that wakes up, puts back together, uh, reconstitutes the, the lost DNA, the particles, the dust, is going to be reconstituted into an incorruptible body that will endure forever. And this rapture is basically for the believers. This is not that the, the um, unbelievers won't be wakened up at this time, but they will be awakened at the judgment, I believe, when yeah, it's time for the, the judgment. Great White judgment prophets uh, at the end of the millennial period. Mm-hmm. And because he goes on to stay here, so when this corruptible is put on incorruption and this mortal is put on immortality, that's the power of our gospel. Our gospel is different than any other gospel because only the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to put off this corruption and put on immortality. Um, then it will be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? So many people are mourning right now for the loss of a dear loved one. If through the grip, the, the, uh, death came to collect their loved one ahead of time. Um, and so it stings, it hurts, it's, it's full of shock, it's full of devastation. It's full of you're just shocked. You don't know what to do, what to think, where to go, how to, how to, how to get through. But God is the only one who can get you through it because God is the God of escapes. And one of the escapes he has is the escape from death in uh, Psalm, I think it's 68 verse 20, something like that. I'll look that up. He's the God of escapes, but he, he says here, thing of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. Oh, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And the reason it's not in vain is because there is the resurrection. We are part of the resurrection, part of that. You know, a lot of people going back to the rapture for a minute, um, very, uh, it's a hard one because, you know, I have to live like there's not going to be a rapture and I have to live in anticipation of there being a rapture at the same time. You live your life to please God every day and trust that he has got it. He's got it under control. He knows how to deliver us from the, from the, the grip of Satan. So it says um, in second Corinthians chapter five or six. So we are confident 
So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, whether we're here or there, present with yeah. the Lord, here or there, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one will give an account, may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So we So you are, see again the, co- the tying, to tying together of resurrection and, and death. Judgment. judgment, yeah. Resurrection and judgment or uh, and, and also with that rapture um, the rapture is a resurrection, if you will, for some, because it says in Second, in First Thessalonians, if you look there, chapter four, verse thirteen, uh, Paul is saying, "But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope." In other words, some people have lost their loved ones forever; they have no hope of ever being reunited with them. That is definitely not the the case with the believer in Jesus Christ. So, therefore, just for that one perk alone. The gospel of Jesus Christ is far better to embrace and to commit your life to than any other gospel options out there uh, because, or, or false religions because we have the promise of God who already has kept his promises completely and continues to keep the ones that are yet to be fulfilled um, because the time is not yet. But he says, but we do not want you ignorant, brethren, concerning the things, those who have fallen asleep. Don't be in sorrow. Uh, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, there it is. You believe that in the resurrection. You believe Jesus did what he said he was going to do. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So those who have fallen asleep, God is going to bring with him. And when is that going to happen? I believe when Jesus returns to the earth, bring those who sleep. Your loved ones who are already passed on, they'll be coming back with Jesus in this final um, gathering of the armies. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. So he's not saying, I'm not just making this up. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. It means we're not going to get there first. They're already going to be coming back. He says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Again, the vibrations, the voice, the shout, Mm -hmm. the trumpet. It's going to be vibrations. I tell you people, that's what it is. Um, With the voice, of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, there you get all three of them, the shout, the voice, the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, I remember, okay, so here's the, pl- the plan. Those who already died are going to be coming back. That's, that's wave number one. Wave number two, the shout, the voice, those who are died after um, that uh, first resurrection, you know, in Matthew, when the, came out of their tombs. We'll talk about that in a minute. So the second resurrection, the, the Lord himself will descend, the shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So they're rising first, but it's actually the second resurrection because some have already risen as according to those that were seen after the crucifixion, right? Now, and then, and then, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This is definitely the, what we term the rapture, and thus we shall always be with the Lord, and therefore <laughs> comfort one another with these words. It's interesting, you know, that you mentioned about those saints that arose from the dead. Yeah. And then remind me, I got something to say about the air. 
Okay. okay. <laughs> Are you going to forget it? That oh, quick? <laughs> no. Help me in case I do, okay? Okay. But it seems to me that that was like a kind of a precursor. Yeah. It was like a foretaste this. of what Jesus was going to do. You know, somehow when that, that when Jesus died well, on that cross, yeah. he went, his soul, his spirit went into the Blood, uh, ca- went, regions of, yeah. of hell, got the keys of hell and death from the enemy, and he opened Mm-hmm. Open death up for a few of these saints, and, the, and led captivity and they rose, captive. That's what and that they means. Appeared unto many, and you know, I I think that the reason he did that, well, obviously it was a very powerful sign, first fruits, first act of the new president, you know, to take the keys of hell and death, the things that we had lost in the garden, and went down there and released. Let a few out, and you know, <laughs> the ones who got out, of course, were the ones that Jesus wanted at his party. Uh, we have the great patriarchs Abraham and. And and Moses. Yeah, we don't know exactly Noah. who they were. It's well, I'm many sure of, that he. They were all the invited. They, I'm sure many of them. That were in Jerusalem rose. And the, came yeah, out the, the game, righteous. So. I'm sure John the Baptist got out on that on that first you know flyby. Yeah. I'm sure that uh, you know because they Jesus of course he needs them. He wants them. I mean their bodies. They were already with him of course. Um, in 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 well I don't know the Abraham's bosom as it says in the story of Lazarus, but. Um, they came with him. So that was the first release. Um, those people, the righteous who had been dead for a long time, who had followed God, who were his people, King David, uh, the various ones, um, the little tiny unknowns, um, the kings who were faithful. They were part of, they're, they're going to be part of this welcoming uh, party to, re, to greet Jesus when he ascended to the throne. And so we have that group already there and they're going to be coming back. Um, then now, now we have the second batch that are still, um, you know, their spirits are with Christ right now because they loved him. They're with him in heaven, in paradise, whatever that all looks like, where obviously they're going to have um, their, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So all the dead in Christ since that time are going to rise first and then those who remain alive. Go ahead. It's interesting in, in the, in the Psalms in the old Testament, I think it's Psalm 1610 talks about Jesus that pro- prophetically that God will not leave his soul in the grave. In, yeah. Yeah. And so th- there's a prophetic there. There isn't much said in the old Testament about the resurrection. We talked about these resurrections, which are maybe more like resuscitations because those people were raised from the dead, but they lived and, and they, they, they had lived, to die again. And then they, they died again. Yeah, but these guys these, we're talking about, they're yeah, not going to die again. But it's interesting where it says uh, in Psalm forty nine fifteen, the hope, the hope that these saints that were raised, mm-hmm. that you're talking about at the death of Jesus, Psalm forty nine fifteen says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. See a lot. Yeah. Uh, so well, and, so and part, part of that hope. too is in you, you Psalm sixty-eight, along with that, yep. that he said, "You have led." This is in the, the Old Testament. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, um, for even the rebellious, for even among the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. The God of our salvation. Our God is the God of salvation. And to uh, to go, to God, the Lord belongs escapes from death. So 
he not only makes a way of escape for those who are living to deliver them out of the hand and grip of Satan, but he led captivity captive, those who had been cap- held hostage by the spirit of death. Mm-hmm. Um, all those, those years until when that moment when Jesus died on the cross, that was, like I said, that was the game changer. That's when Satan lost all his little treasures that he had been holding hostage. I'm sure that they were in a place where he couldn't hurt them, um, like in Abraham's bosom. But now they were delivered unto the Father to the glory of, of heaven and the presence of the Lord. Read First Thessalonians 4, uh, 4.17 again, would you please? Okay. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So, so, where, where so are we're we the go- third group if we're alive. Where are we going to meet the Lord? In the air. Okay. In the clouds. Who, and then, question for you. Who is the prince of the power of the air? The devil. Okay. So, so gonna- we're going to meet the Lord in the air, right in Satan's... In flight. Domain in yeah. flight. That's where we're meeting the Lord in the air. Mm-hmm. The Lord of all creation is trumps defeating. The devil. Yeah. Trumps the devil. Yeah. In the air, trumps, trumps the power of the the prince of the well. Parades power is, of the air. Parades is right past all of those guys. And what are they going to? What are all those entities, fallen angels, and whatever forces? They're not going to have any choice. Listen, when but, Jesus comes, when Jesus returns. The Bible says that there are going to be people, you know, maybe military powers. I don't know if they're going to try to shoot nuclear weapons at them or laser bombs or laser uh, weapons or something. They're going to fight against it. You talk about an exercise in futility. Mm-hmm. When he's coming, nobody's going to be able to stop him. When, when the, mm-hmm. the judgment of both the righteous and the unrighteous, that, you can't stop that. God is is king over his kingdom. He will assert himself, and mankind is not going to have anything to 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 say about it. There will be yeah. no refutation. But that's then, and that's, that's then. coming. But now, for now, he says, for now, it's the choice that says, we have to make. He says, comfort one another with these words. Yes. You know, whether or not you're you're totally understand the resurrection, whether or not you totally know your position on the rapture. It doesn't really matter as long as you know Jesus Christ and you've accepted him and his atonement for your sins, you're in, you know, the, all these other wonderful details that we can't really wrap our, our finite minds around. He's got them. So here's, there's, there's, so there's the rapture for those who are yet alive and those who died, there will be a, a resurrection. So the resurrection and the rapture kind of produce the same effect that we are both brought into the presence of, of the Lord and meet him in the air. And then I think in Revelations where it says where he's coming back on the horse, the white horse, many, many will be coming with him. Um, I think that's chapter 19. Then I saw heaven open and behold, 11, 1911. Then I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse. And he was sat on him, was faithful and true. He didn't lie, guys. He never did lie. All your other garbage religions and fakes and fables and fantasies are lies from Satan, but he is faithful and true and is righteous, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. He, his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written on him that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, that scarlet robe, and his name is called the Word of God. 
the word of God. The word of God the, 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 was the instrument God used to create everything. It says in Jesus Christ, everything was created and through him, everything is held together. Um, and the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now, that would be us. That would be those who gathered. That would be the first resurrection of the first bodies in Jerusalem at the day of the crucifixion. That would be those who are going to um, be resurrected in the second resurrection talked about in Thessalonians. In the twinkling of an eye, the third uh, calling in of the rapture, those who get remain alive. That, that's the three groups are now put pulled together. So we've got the ancients, the ones in the Old Testament. We've got the ones um, that have lived from the time of Jesus Christ and died until now. And those who are yet remaining, the three groups. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And with it, he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is where we need to be, people. And when your day gets rough and things don't go right and people judge you and you run into witchcraft and you can't seem to get a promotion at work and, you know, you don't have enough money, you need to remember that this is not all there is and this is not the end. And the resurrection and the rapture and the redemption and the return of Jesus Christ being called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you do definitely want to be on his side when all this stuff goes down. And sometimes we think that if we haven't experienced before, we think it's not r- real. We tend to live limited. Oh, we tend to be limited by our normalcy, our experience, oh, something we've never experienced. It seems like. It's true, uh-huh. but it's, it's, it's far away, and we can't relate to it. Uh-huh. But that's what faith is. Believing faith God. Is the substance of thing hoped for, the evidence uh-huh. of things not seen. And what you read earlier, I just want to repeat that just briefly. First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Mm-hmm. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the vibrations, as we said, and the dead will raise incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The word mystery there, you know, we think of a mystery like, a, you know, a murder mystery or a mm-hmm. mystery novel, something like something that. Something secret. What yeah. is it? What is a mystery? The mystery is something, there's something that's hidden. Right. We don't know for sure what it is. But then at the end of the book or the movie, the mystery is yeah. solved. Yep, yep. So this is what a mystery in Scripture, it's a truth. It's a truth. Hidden now, but it will be revealed later. It's solved. The mystery is solved, and and he tells us ahead of time. He gives us a sneak peek at the uh, revealing of the mystery. But the actual revelation of it will come when Jesus Christ comes back. And and I know our time is up, but we we, we just want to encourage you people. Uh, One thing, do not live your life based on your experience. Do not live your life based on your experience. It's a setup. It's a lie. Satan has tried to use it to program you. Use your... Live your life based on the testimony of the word of God and what Jesus Christ through his spirit testifies to you every day. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. That is a fact. Talk to him and let him lead your life, not your experiences. First Corinthians 15, 16 and following. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Mm-hmm. Then also those who have fallen asleep or have died in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. 
But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since man, since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. That is man, capital M-A-N, <laughs> Jesus. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made, all alive. Shall be made alive. So, Father. Lord, we thank mm-hmm. you so much that you are risen from the dead. We used to sing a chorus years ago. Uh, he is Lord, he is Lord, he is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every, shall, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are Lord of life, you are Lord of death, you are Lord of the universe, and we thank you, Lord, for all you are and all you've done. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection by which we have salvation and eternal life, life that continue, that's here now and continues far beyond forever and ever. And we thank you, Father. Yes, and we thank you, Lord, for your truth, your promise, Lord, that you have promised, you did what you said, you rose from the dead, this verifies, justifies, and uh, it just keeps for us the promises that you've, you've given us, Lord. So give us grace, strength, uh, encouragement this day that each one not look at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let us meditate on those things. And whatsoever things are pure, lovely, honest, just, and of good report. And forgive us, Lord, for our unbelief. Cause us to walk in the fullness of your word through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? 